Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 383 of the Siren Studs Podcast. I'm Kurt, joined once again this week by my low-budget co-hosts, Peter and Jake. That's right, Kurt. Uh, We are here with... The buttered cinnamon toast sugar edition of the cast. Just a shout out to one of the best breakfast foods you'll ever do see. I wish I had some right now. Um, Uh, I thought I was going to get a deep meme out of Peter today, and you were going to do the buttered sausages uh, edition. The buttered sauce? All right, Jake, you have to fill me in. Fill, in, okay. fill me in with right. your buttered sausage. All right, this comes with a... Uh, 50, 58 uh, seconds. I mean, this is a record for derailment time. <laughs> uh, so Gary Busey did a, uh, um, a some sort of interview podcast thing where... <laughs> oh, fuck, I've seen he's this. He's not okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, he went on a rant about buttered sausages. Uh, it's phenomenal. It's everything you wish it could fit. Yes, the butter sausage. If you just picture, if you just picture in your head, Gary Busey saying buttered sausages, you will know. It's exactly I'm, like that. I'm watching it now. <laughs> butter. There was more to that. You gotta too. talk about where it is, where it's coming from, what it's doing. Get it out of my face. <laughs> Apparently that interview was, Why is it doing what it's doing? That interview was apparently off the fucking rails. I'm sure it was. The man has had a traumatic brain injury. Do, okay, yeah, this is the other one. Is um uh, Will Will Sasso does a really good impression of um Jesse Ventura. And I guess uh he's he's been doing some podcast appearances. Jesse Ventura is a fucking nut job. So I just want Gary Busey and Jesse Ventura just to like get in a room together and and do something, <laughs> do some some content for us. Jesse Ventura is a conspiracy theory guy. Um, Je- sorry, is it, is he still Jesse? I don't the know mind Ventura. Yeah, I don't know if um, I would describe him as. A nut job. Otherwise, though, like he's very, he's very pragmatic very guy. Like he, he tried to get the wrestler wisely tried to get the wrestlers before the first WrestleMania to unionize under the threat of striking for that show. Uh, but then Hulk Hogan ratted him out <laughs> to Vince McMahon. <laughs> Classic Hulkster move. <laughs> Butter sausages. And he did. He was elected governor of Minnesota, so clearly he can't be that cuckoo bear. There's just he. He has a lot of stories. He's a lot of does a lot of a lot of stuff to stay that's uh, off the rails. And I just want him to talk to Gary Busey about if he's ever tried long sausages, you know, (laughs) and maybe invite him on a on a trip for some ayahuasca in his in his uh. Cabin in the Congo or something like that. I want to see Gary Busey watch. I want to see a reaction video of him watching like that everything is cake content where it's like the fake items made out of cake. I just want to see his reaction to that. Oh, that's that's cake. 
<laughs> oh, but that was a cake the whole time. What else is cake? <laughs> Am I cake? What else is cake? Is that buttered sausage cake? Why is it here? <laughs> yeah, talk about it. <laughs> Why is it in my face? Why is it doing what it's doing? <laughs> Who's here? What's it doing? What's it about? Get out of my face. It's oh not your jam. God. No, it's not my jam. It's my honey. I kiss it on the lips. Man, we're... <laughs> I, I love when we go off the rails this, this fast. Um, anyways, we're coming at you live, as always, from the courtroom of Danny Masterson. We're gonna hear his. Uh, we're gonna get his verdict live on air, um, and then we're gonna do some interviewing. I heard Mila might be stopping by. Uh, we might. We might try to. Uh, Big fan of the show, yeah. Mila Kunis. Yes. Yeah. We I might. Am. We might try to uh, ask the judge some questions um, and see if we can't get the uh, the addresses of all the jury um, and try to post them live on air. Yeah. They, uh, yeah, we're, I know we're the trial was dox them. completed a few days ago, but you know what they say about judges. They always return to the scene of the judgment. True. Yeah. Um, They'll come back. That's how you know. They'll, well, legally, they that's have That's a to. dead giveaway that they're prime <laughs> suspect of being a judge. <laughs> they're, uh, you have to, that is their place of business, yes. <laughs> Get out the PI work and you see if they come to the court the courthouse every week. <laughs> Just that's like a, it was that's Danny's. a pattern of behavior that sets up a motive of wanting to pass judgment <laughs> on people. Just like it was uh Danny Masterson's uh, you know, returning to the scene of the rape. <laughs> Do you think a son uh, like or not a son, I don't know where that came from. Do you think a a single person who just happens to be a judge has on their like dating profile non-judgmental all judge physical i leave <laughs> i leave the judging to the courtroom i want not i just bedroom. want like a like a ripped like giga chad judge with like you know just form-fitting tight robes that show off his like abs and shit to come into the courtroom just like yeah yeah court and this workout is in session what if uh what if like a, a like a courtroom judge like moonlights as like a uh like a bodybuilding judge he just can't get it out of his system he just <laughs> has to be a judge in like a lot of different areas that's when you get the really savvy um you get the really savvy lawyer who comes in and they just they subtly put the bottle of like coke uh you know of uh tanning lotion or tanning oil or whatever on their <laughs> uh on the table your honor in my defense oils up and just <laughs> that would be awesome though, if, like in the middle the middle of the like opening arguments they had like to oppose down <laughs> <laughs> i think that's actually uh, how they do it in florida that's how that's how court is carried out in miami all right we're ready for your opening statement all right whatever you said so Oh. Right. Got your opening statement right here. <laughs> and what about here? Hmm, <laughs> very convincing. And you know that even in the regular court of law, this would be the kind of stuff that Jamie Foxx's lawyer character would uh, pull <laughs> in this first trailer on our segment Trey Watch. Wow. Burial. That was uh that was a deftifying transition. <laughs> I it's, I was like I was in the middle of it and I was like wait no we can do this we can hit the swerve all right 
Hit the hit the K turn. <laughs> hit the Yui. And we're here. We've made it. Um we've we're in the burial. <laughs> I'm in the burial. I have I've touched the ground. Um yeah. It's um it's one of those uh, let's get a, a notable ensemble cast together um, for our mid-budget, uh, low-creativity, straight-to-streaming movie. Yeah. Um, this is this is the one where I feel like um, Tommy Lee Jones and um, Jamie Foxx. Shout-outs to Tommy Lee Jones. Still, still ticking yeah. and still making movies. He wants, yeah, the man wants to act. That's that's always the impression I got of him after like hearing all the stories about him being kind of like a curmudgeon off camera <laughs> and having, you know, a lot of resentment for, what was it? Um, what was the one he did about the baseball guy? Tommy Lee Jones baseball movie. Um, was he in... Moneyball? Nope. Cobb. No, he wasn't in Moneyball. Cobb. Um, I remember that there's a story that like, well, there was some speculation, like that came out in 94. Um, and what other, there was another movie that came out in around, just around exactly the same time that took a lot of the, the, um, buzz about it away. And he always kind of resented that. Let me see. 1994 movies. Broken Vows. Hmm. Maybe Little League? I don't know. Um, but regardless, um, like he's a guy who just... He's definitely the kind of guy who just wants to do... He wants to get a good role. He wants to do the acting. He wants to act. He's an actor, goddammit. Um, yeah, this is... You know, I'm getting to the point here, uh, just in general with these based on true story movies, where even if they are... And we'll see this in a couple times, a couple different times through Trey Watch today, that... They don't need to be. Like, even if they are, you don't need to put it out there. Maybe yeah. it adds unnecessary baggage at this point. When it could Things just be... Can... Yeah, it could just be, like, a a realistic fictional movie. Yeah. Yeah, you can just have an idea. <laughs> you don't... It doesn't need to be set in reality. Like, the draw of based on a true story is usually, like, this story is so crazy that you won't believe it, but it's true. You know... This is not that. This is, you know, this is lawyer. This is a lawyer who pulls some antics and is way too flashy, having to go up in a really difficult case against um, big corporate lawyers. Yeah, and and element of of race stuff too. Yeah. Hell yeah, the bitches love race stuff. Uh, speaking of race stuff and uh, based on a true story. The boy in the heron. <laughs> I don't think there's any race stuff with this, but uh, definitely based on a boy and a heron. Uh, yep. It is Miyazaki's next film. Uh, so you're telling, so you're telling me that's a story about a kid in rural Japan who's affected yeah, yeah. by World War II. Yeah, and ends way. up in a world of of Japanese folklore and spirits. Could be. I, it, it, this is new ground for me. It appears to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Except, 
uncharted there's, territory. There's a pro. There, well, there, there's also a prominent. I'm glad I didn't have to be the one to say it. This is a prominent <laughs> animal. This isn't different. There's a prominent animal type figure in the title and in the um, like movie. Like there's also, a heron. Never done before. <laughs> uh, this is truly groundbreaking stuff from Miyazaki. Um, <laughs> Uh, this, the, is, the mis- this is in no way an amalgam of all the other shit that Miyazaki does in every other yeah. movie. Yeah, yeah. This is, uh, I mean, this is Miyazaki to a T. It's just Miyazaki being himself, and Studio Ghibli probably putting on another banger. Who knows? Yep. Um, I mean, animation the animation looks, looks fantastic. great as always. Um, I they definitely, I, I knew they wanted to flex when they put in that little paper flying scene. That was definitely. Mm-hmm. That was definitely one they wanted to flex with. They're like, "Oh yeah, look at all this shit flying around." Hell yeah! Yeah, um, yeah the, even the beginning, it seems like they changed kind of animation styles a little bit. Um, from like, if the yeah. beginning is like World War Two kind of real life, and then it goes to the mystical dreamland, it seems like they really changed up how they're going to portray events. With how this one was like nightmarish, and then the tone just totally shifts. Um, which is cool. I like it. Um, I mean, yeah, I'm a fan of some Ghibli stuff. I need to watch more probably, but the fact that it's kind of the the uh, the Miyazaki special just means that it's going to at least be competent. Like there's there's it a floor of quality win. on this that I'll I'll be fine. That's that's pretty high, mm-hmm. and I will. It won't. I, it won't be able to disappoint me. I don't think. But never um, seen it. Yeah, I uh, it won't win him any new fans, but I, I think people who would want to see this movie are going to be ultimately mostly satisfied with what they receive. Yeah, because mm-hmm. as soon as long as it opens with the Studio Ghibli logo, I'm sure they'd be happy with what they received. Oh, for sure. Right. All right. He is he is currently 82 years old. By the way, that's not. It's not the oldest I've seen, but he is getting up there. I don't stop. He's living on pure spite, ironically. From what I've heard, he's he is... living on disappointment from his son. Yeah, right. Who, for all <laughs> intents and purposes, make he the one his son made was like a pretty competent, uh, like he made a pretty competent animated film. But high, yeah, uh, you know, uh, Hayao, he just really had to Asian dad and be like, nope, you should. You did so under par. I'm coming out of retirement, and I'm gonna make movies till I die because no one can take on the legacy for me. Time to pull a 12 hour animation shift. <laughs> my wrist? Oh, my wrist on the line? No, 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 no. It'll be, it'll be my studio. They get to destroy their wrists with the animation. Yeah. Um. That is. That yeah, was- I, I don't. I don't have a lot to say about it. <laughs> bird boy, this is but, he goes. Uh, <laughs> the boy goes into the bird box. This is this is what's in there. It's just <laughs> Studio Ghibli. This is kind of like the the week, uh, but also the year of unexpected sequels to things. Um, yeah, I think I had case in point. Chicken Run, yeah, Dawn, Dawn of the Nugget. Chicken Run, a movie that came out. 23 years ago. Yep. Yeah. So is why this, not? this is like, this would have been a reboot. 
uh, if this was America. <laughs> but as we know, um, what's the Ardman? Right, that's the uh, that's the studio that does all the claymation uh, stuff. Yes, did the Wallace and Gromit yes. and such. Ard Ardman, a Ardman, a Ardman, a Ardman. Um, yeah, they're like, nope. It's like it's. I this is like a. I feel like this is a British thing, right? Where you're just gonna make a sequel no matter how many years it's been. You're just like, oh, we're making another miniseries. What? It's been fifty years and half the cast. Don't worry about it. I mean, that's not an exclusively an American thing. No, I, it's we got, exclusively um, a British thing. Uh, 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 yeah, that's what I meant. It's not exclusively a British thing. We've had a lot of that uh, recently in Hollywood. Things getting sequels I guess after the, Yeah, the Equalizer 3 being in theaters right now is the counter-argument. Well, that not even that's not even like as bad as I was thinking about. I was thinking about stuff like, um, well, obviously there's Good Burger 2. But Blade Runner 2049 came out in 2019. Blade Runner came out in 1980. That's true. Yep. Um, like, there have been quite a few of those. Although, at um, least, although in some of those cases, Hollywood will try and pull it into soft reboot territory, where whereas I don't think there's anything that you'd be able to do that with with this. Like there's no one, there's no one's clamoring for like the old characters from the first Chicken Run. I don't, I don't even think I remember them. Um, I don't remember them either. But I think that that means that this does is done a service in that you don't have to worry about the last movie. This is you could just make another one. You just make yeah. Well, from uh, from what I can see in the trailer, it is all the same characters from the first one. Hmm. Yeah, I was um, I will say I was a little um, I was like a little put off at the beginning of this trailer with all the action stuff. And then they later on the trailer, they get to the jokes. I'm like, OK, the jokes are the jokes are OK. Do more yeah, of that. And that's. You don't need to, like, bring up the drama, <laughs> take up the drama a notch from the last one. Like it was already fine enough. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure this will be fine. Um, it is going to Netflix. I don't think it's yeah, going to release in Netflix. theaters. So, um, low risk. <laughs> and then the bad uh, guy at the 15th. end says future. That's my yeah. favorite part. It's the wave of the future. Oh. <laughs> I was I I don't know where to go from here. So Jake, uh, speaking of a, chickens, yeah, throw us a uh, dice. Speaking of chickens, we got the biggest chicken of them all, Godzilla. Um, okay. Godzilla minus one okay. uh, came out with the full trailer, and it's kind of a Godzilla week because I don't mm-hmm. I'm not seeing it on the Rotten Tomatoes one, but I saw it on the, uh, the IMDb. Yes, and this, so this came out like a while ago. Yeah, this Stop is. Me. Yeah, I think we, we talked the about the for it, I teaser. Think. Well, so there was the minus one, but there's also the Monarch show. Did did we think about oh, the trailer for that? Oh, I didn't watch no? the Monarch show. The okay. Monarch trailers. We can let me do All that right. while we're talking about this. So they double ca- feature then. Yeah. So Godzilla minus one came out with a full trailer. This one is the separate from the Godzilla King Kong universe that we're getting with the all monsterverse, the monsterverse, big, yeah. big time, yeah, movies. So this one's the original creator. Um, 
or some of the original visions of Godzilla, where he's more of an allegory for a natural disaster. Um, and in this case, I believe this is so. This is post-war Japan. Yeah. Um, well, they're all post-war. <laughs> yeah, I guess. But um, I think this is like post-war, like in the recent years after, um, right after the bomb, the end of World War Two. Yeah. Um, and I guess Godzilla's a representation of like. A third bomb or something like that. Yeah, he's a. Um, that's what they say. From well, zero yeah, to minus. Godzilla's. So we got we totally Godzilla's got destroyed, whole... and then fucking Godzilla came around and then just made it all worse. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, like um, Godzilla's always been a commentary about the dangers of nuclear uh, stuff because you know classically Godzilla is a result of dumping or a nuclear test in a remote site mutating this this lizard mm. into something super destructive. And it's it's very obviously <laughs> talking about the bomb. They're yeah. talking about the bomb, guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um so this is uh there there's a lot of like imagery just in this that, you know, is reminiscent of the nuclear bomb. But also um I don't know if this is it's kinda weird because the last one that came out was the the weird one Shin Godzilla I think is what it was called yeah which was more of a current era and it was more of a critique of how Japan responds to natural disasters which has been historically pretty bad on their response to stuff mm-hmm. and it was kind of just to show how like crazy the bureaucracy can be and how just like unequipped they are to fight oh, I gotta watch that Godzilla movie. I should watch that um, this weekend yeah that's on my on my list definitely. So this one seems like it's from, I think it's from the same people. <clears throat> I thought it might have been from the same universe, but it, or from the same like timeline, but it's more of a prequel probably than a sequel to Shin Godzilla. Um, yeah, or just. And this one is going to have, I think, just as many like allegory depictions, but maybe more action, uh, possibly. Maybe. I don't know. It looks really good. Yeah. And then. The. <laughs> and then the other hand, we have the Monarch series. <laughs> Which yeah. looks to be Kurt Russell in a room talking for uh, ten episodes, and they look at footage, and there's going to be yeah. one kaiju, maybe two, in the series. You put one in the first, put it one in episode two, put one in episode ten, we're good to go. Yeah, I think it's maybe a teaser because um, it really doesn't say much about what it's going to be about, but it's uh, maybe the premise is going to be about a group of people who are trying to unveil like the secrets that Monarch has and how they've like covered up shit for a while. And Kurt Russell's character might be like the head of Monarch um, and the driving person behind wanting to keep the monster world and the human world separate or protect the human world from the monster world some way. I'm not sure. Yeah. I, I do not know. Um, and yeah. I'm, yeah. I don't know how interested I am. Not that um yeah it is they're trying to sell you on what most people would consider to be the boring parts of the movies as an entire tv show um, yeah that really is it i don't know how well that's gonna go over we made a show entirely about the exposition half of godzilla movies we're gonna force you to like it <laughs> we'll get some big name actors so that you can't say it's bad without their fans coming after you. Exactly. And then you say, 
Oh, I have the I have the Uno reverse card, where you go. It's a shame Kurt Russell is in a movie like this. He does such good work. He deserves better. And then, got him, trapped, ensnared. <laughs> That's like saying, "No, you." <laughs> no, you. <laughs> put me this in. Bad. Put me in no, front you. of the Sphinx, boss. I'm ready. <laughs> it's un. It's uncomebackwithable. <laughs> so. Remember when that was like the meme, the meme to do it was like the no you go oh, got him. Yeah, that's man. That's what I was referencing. Simpler times, simpler times. <laughs> they were simpler times. And we were simpler men. Yep. Simpler times, simpler crimes, murder, Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> um, Thanksgiving, the horror movie. Uh, this is not Thanksgiving, notably. Um, this is... Or any of its sequels. Yeah. Of its many sequels. <laughs> this looks... This just looks like a very classic 70s-style uh, thriller or slasher movie where you go to it and you see... You want to go see all the crazy kills, crazy setups. You want to see some... Some maybe bratty kids get their just desserts in a in a super violent way, um, and some Thanksgiving theming. Absolutely. Um, we can only hope that their screenwriter had the sense to steal a belief in Thanksgiving, the uh, greatest line in the history of one-liners. Uh, certainly, uh, gobble gobble, motherfucker. Uh yeah, in this in this one it seems like it's a. Am I get, am I getting this right? It's a pilgrim. Kind of, kind of doing the murders. A man dressed as a pilgrim. He, he sure he sure looks like he's a man dressed like yeah. I saw the buckle. Yes, his <laughs> motif is pilgrim. He came over on the flay flower. <laughs> the slave the flower. Slave, there you go. It was right there, Peter. I went for a different, a different violent uh, phrase ending in "ay." <laughs> so yeah, it's uh, this looks this looks right up an alley that somebody would go. I guess <laughs> I don't know if it's down mine, but I uh, no, I don't know how many. It doesn't look like though. it'll be too many on the Thanksgiving themed kills. But again, like this holiday is ripe for. <laughs> for murder ideas like imagine just like it's you just stuff someone's like brains or like heart into like a jar of cranberry sauce you know like you shove their head inside the turkey and then you throw the whole thing in the oven oh it's, it's the, amazing the, split someone in half like a wishbone at the commenters yes. seem really uh really excited for this for 16 years we've never thought it will be done but now years later they're finally doing it You'll come home for the holidays in a body bag. Good tagline. I good, like that's that. a good tagline. I like that one. Yeah. Um, yeah, this year I feel well, maybe a little more than other years. But, I mean, a lot of the recent, the last few years of cinema have, have really embraced the idea of horror all year. Horror can happen whenever. It's an anytime kind of food. It's very inclusive, yeah. Because it makes... Because you can make... So much money on it. I I wonder I think, about horror aficionados. Like, do they get burned out? 
Like, are they? Are we gonna get horror fatigue? Like, people get Marvel fatigue. I think with that, it's there's there's like enough subgenre variety where like I don't know that a horror. I'm sure there are the hardcores that would every horror movie appeals to them, but I feel like there's certain types of horror movies that appeal to different audience subsections, and yeah. they they alternate that enough to I, not burn out. I think one audience. Yeah, I think the horror the fandom needs to take notes from the metal fandom and start developing a very intricate taxonomy of horror genres. Well they well they do. They have, you know, psychological horror, slasher, um other ones, I'm sure. <laughs> I think we need to take it that next step. It's like, no, 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 no. This isn't like the difference between Thanksgiving and Thanksgiving, right? It's like this isn't holiday sorry, you're thinking of holiday themed cheesy uh mascot based horror. I'm talking about holiday cheesy based 70s serial thriller horror. <laughs> Very it's totally different genres if you if you're only a novice if you think they're the same. It's all <laughs> in the details. Just get see you need to get the taxonomy so you can get the real like absolute pedants, the real snobs to get on the forums and be like, I know the perfect man to write this taxonomy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who might that be? Um, Jay from <laughs> That's Yes, absolutely. Jay would he would be a scholar of that. Just pitch up to him as a project. Meanwhile, Mike's just gonna throw every one of the movies Jay's reviews into like a wood chipper again. <laughs> there that crew has to be responsible for I want to see the total weight of all the movies they have physically destroyed in their career. <laughs> like what is I'm the sure waste? It's... What is the dump behind that studio look like? <laughs> Cuz like they've they've thrown like they've thrown shit in wood chippers, they've just destroyed they've like flame torched like uh, VHSs, they've that there was that one time Mike threw like a gallon of Star Wars figures into acetone and turned it into a trash cube. <laughs> it's a fucking waste site back there. All yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, like a, a hazardous waste site. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Gotcha. All right. What else? We got, we got uh, any more painful. here? I mean, we do have more, um, but there are any more that are. Oh, you know what? All right, I do want to talk about bike riders real quick just for one thing. Um, and it was just to reinforce my point that I made earlier was that this is a based on a true story movie that does not need to be based on it. You don't need to say that it's based on a true story. If it was, great, cool. But I feel like that only detracts from what is for this just a 60s biker drama movie. Which That's we a, don't get that often. Right. And... Uh, yeah, I kind of dig. Yeah, that's my. It's like um, people who have been watching, you know, they watch Sons of Anarchy. I feel like they've may have been going a little thirsty. You know, they're they're waiting for a, a new big release about you know some biker culture, and here it is. Ooh, this is from Regency. That is a studio that was very popular. Put out a lot of stuff in the late '90s and early 2000s, but I haven't seen something with their logo on it in a long time. Yeah. And this looks like a good, good kind of production. 
Yeah, it could be interesting. It will be interesting to see like how, what kind of angle this takes on biker culture of the '60s, because um, it very quickly got into like drug pushing and yeah. like very brutal mafia mention, style. Mention that where it's like this looks like it's the story of the rise of um, I don't know which specific biker gang. Um, doesn't yeah. I mean, show it. Let me go back to the beginning where it shows the logo front and center on the dude's bike jacket. Um, <laughs> the Vandals. All right, so it's the Vandals of Chicago. Um, and it's it's kind of documents their rise. For, you know, it's almost like the it's like those production those product biopics where it started as just a ragtag group of bikers and they grew and became too big. Um. They started trafficking, and in the then the crimes happened. Then then came the people doing the crimes. Yeah, notably only in theaters. This ain't some straight to streaming trash. Yeah. Also, starring Austin Butler, yep. uh, known for his role in the seminal hit "Aliens in the Attic," <laughs> <laughs> and Tom Hardy, who whose voice always catches me off guard. Oh yeah, his until, his non uh, like I've, his actual voice. Yeah, I've seen him in plenty of stuff, but until it, his voice actually came out of his character, I was like, "That's an old lady with like who smoked a pack a day." <laughs> like, oh no, sorry, that's Tom Hardy. Yeah, so it this this looks good. It's a, yeah, it should be interesting. Perhaps we'll review it. Yeah. Those are those are the ones I care about this week on Trade Watch. There's some yeah. others, but yeah, I I won't I won't fight you on that. Let's move then to the follow up. We'll take a look at how some of these movies that we cover on Trade Watch are doing at the box office uh, on this the 35th weekend of 2023, or I guess this is last weekend, the long weekend Labor Day. And who dominated the box office at Labor Day? Why, it was Denzel Washington. In the one new movie that came out this week. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Like, the one... There there were a couple others, but... The next highest none, new release is in 19th place? This is the one, one movie that released, like, nationwide. The only one that was in over 3,000 theaters. Yeah. Um, and it brought in $42.8 million, um, which is uh, probably a little lower than you would like the number one movie over a holiday weekend to be to be making it, raking, especially uh, one as hot as uh, yeah. Labor Day was for a lot of people in the country. You figured that drive them to the movie theater, nice indoor activity. Um, but... We'll we'll endeavor to find out why why exactly it made uh, the summit made because it finds itself in our spotlight and uh, I think we we know some places that can shed some light as to why it's only made seventy five point eight million dollars which is not a bad take for a movie like this um, but you would expect the box office to be a little bit higher um, but it's reviewing quite well. Overall, it's got a 7.1 out of 10 on IMDb, 74% uh, critic score on Rotten Tomatoes, with a 94% audience should we, score. Should we take a second to talk about the Rotten Tomato news? 
not news to us, but is news to much of the world. Sure, let, let me pull up an article real quick. So I get the... Yeah. <clears throat> get the official scoop. The record um, of what they discovered about Rotten Tomatoes. The controversy oh. come out. Does Rotten Tomatoes <laughs> The rumor come out. Um, yeah, so... Uh, while we're waiting on that, Equalizer 3 garnered a 58 Metascore and a 77.4 user score on Metacritic. Uh, oh, yeah. shit. I got to turn off my ad blocker. Um, Jake. Submit to the it. ads. Well, if you used Firefox, you could just hit F9 and then you just... <laughs> it's easy as. <laughs> uh, okay. So title of this article is and i'm pretty sure it's similar amongst the other places this is from movie web and i don't this is the first one that came up rotten tomatoes in the spotlight after report claims pr firm paid for positive reviews boost yeah so allegations of financial incentives and manipulated critic scores have raised concerns about integrity of review uh, aggregate platforms specifically involving pr company bunker 15 and the popular site rotten tomatoes Bunker 15, known as a smart tech publicity engine, claims to connect filmmakers with journalists who can amplify their project's visibility. Bunker 15 are accused of going beyond traditionally publicly publicity strategies uh, by recruiting lesser-known critics to manipulate Rotten Tomatoes' tomato meter scores. That's the most. This is the most fucking L.A. Silicon Valley. Well, I mean, it's shit that I ever heard. It From is, the name but it also to the to their company description, to their tactics. It's so, like, it, I mean, I I I'm glad that there's finally evidence to support what I've been saying for years, but like the evidence was in front of all of us. How many times on this show have I been like fumbling through the Rotten Tomatoes reviews for some movies? And like, commented that such and such review was marked as a positive review, even though the content, when the content of the review doesn't really seem all that positive. Yep. So, the nice thing about this is that they actually came with like ammo. Um, so the report highlighted the case of a, of the movie Ophelia, a 2018 reimagining of Hamlet starring Daisy Ridley, as a glaring instance of potential manipulation. In the span of a few months, the movie's score experienced a noticeable uptick with a substantial number of positive reviews pouring in, predominantly from critics who had previously reviewed other movies promoted by Bunker 15. This period also saw attempts to persuade critics to alter negative reviews to a less marginally positive takes, uh, a move potentially uh, influence the overall score on Rotten Tomatoes. While for some, this revelation might not come as a surprise in an industry often marred by complex power dynamics and vested interests, it certainly opens up a larger discussion about the transparency and trustworthiness of review aggregate platforms. Yeah. Yeah. So, who's been saying that for years? (laughs) Even the layman will, I don't think this is uh, the best way to try and suss this out, but even the, the commoner on the street will point at the disparity of some movies between the audience and critic ratings. Yeah. Um, well, sometimes that's that, genuine. That, that, that used genuine to, that used there. to be, that used to be a good, uh, barometer. However, 
uh, with the recent changes they've made to their policy with that, which is another controversy they found themselves embroiled in not too long ago with their verified reviewer uh, yeah. culling. Um, the audience score basically starts at 85% now. <laughs> yeah. Um, <coughs> we need someone to level the playing field, to make it fair, yeah. to be an equalizer. There you go. That's proof right there that we are justified in seeking out real reviewers and warning you to disregard the pros. That's right. You need we have we have hard evidence now telling us that we were correct. <laughs> this is our Panama papers. <laughs> our Kraken has been released. And to to continue with that theme, I'm going to read this review here from Real Reviewer with Real Reviewer Traits. He's been pre-screened. Um SS Ren One and his nine out of ten or there, nine out of ten, I should say. Um, reviewed the equalizer, all caps. Some reviewers need educating. <laughs> <laughs> right out of the gate, baby. Saw it today. Frankly, I must be old school, not old hat. Old school. He used a semicolon. I'm impressed. Correctly, no this less. Man's coming <laughs> with the heat. He's got the. He's he's coming out the gate swinging. Be- because I enjoy good scripts and good characters, I can either identify with or feel empathy for. I'm not part of the short attention span generation who requires explosions and mindless violence that doesn't give you time to take a breath, John Wick. Or where the screen is loaded up with so much tech and gimmickery, Transformers, or the foul language masquerades anger for toughness, nearly everything. <laughs> So I can feel totally entertained with this one. A good script, sensational photography, which is incidentally why the pacing of the film works. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? Are you trying to say that the good cinematography makes the film well-paced? What kind of take is that? Yeah, That's a different type of Down editing. In- those, are, those are different things. <laughs> Unless you're talking about pacing in the scene. Even then, again, that's still editing. Well, even that, like, the cinematography is is has no bearing on, like, the pacing of the film. It's just how the shots are composed versus how long they're on the screen for. See, what, we, what, what we're missing, I guess, what if it was all just filmed in one take with one camera and they have to walk <laughs> over to the next shot? So, like... It takes a while to set up the next. That that'll impact the pacing because they have to get everything. I feel set up. like that would have gotten a little bit more <laughs> more press, but yeah, sure. Um, the town is amazing. The people are delightful. The bad guys are horrific, and Doctor Enzo steals our heart. There's enough of McCall's trademark to satisfy. Wow. Period. No exclamation point. They didn't. They didn't commit to that. Wow. I don't feel convinced. An awesome piece. A great way to wrap the series. Zero out of one found that helpful. Um, I will I will become the second. I did not find that review very helpful. <laughs> All right, Jake, what we got? I'm trying to quickly <laughs> save a, a GIF. Um, <laughs> Y'all know the disappointed GIF? Yes. Okay. Yes. Disappointed. Get, get, get that in your head because I was going to send it in the comments. Kevin okay, Sorbo. Uh, 
disappointed. One out of ten. <laughs> I got you. Let mine says. <laughs> I'm sorry. How can anyone rate this above one star? Two stars at best. <laughs> Very disappointing. Some of my gripes in bulleted form, might I add. Um, a half-decent storyline. Looks like Fuqua lost the plot and panicked trying to establish new story arcs. Tie up old ones. Was there a villain in this movie? I literally can't remember such. <laughs> I can't remember. Such is the ease with which McCall dismantled and disfigured the supposed mafia. This one is perhaps the most frustrating disappointment for me, as I was expecting a worthy adversary, whereas the villains in this film are a joke. The trailers make numerous reference to the equalizer meets his equal. Um, where? <laughs> when? Ooh. Ooh. Eight out of 13 found that helpful. Oh, wow. <coughs> oh, geez. That's how they end it with a series of questions. <laughs> it's the true, uh, like many, like many sages in ancient, ancient, uh, spiritual <laughs> studies. Um, on the other hand, on the middle hand, in the center, we've got do not come to the cinema depressed with their five out of ten <laughs> review entitled thumbs down. The script was all over the damn place. And on top of that, not executed well at all. Thumbs down. Have we read from this guy before? I believe so. I feel I there was the 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 regulars came out because my other one is from feast mode. Um, okay. So I got to rep. I got to rep our, our regulars here. Um, that was the title on the review. Now, oh my God. <laughs> as, as a feature, um, every non-conjunction word in this review is capitalized. Gotcha. That actually, it, it does improve the reading for me. So if you want the enhanced experience, you got to go and read it yourself. Um, Visualize it. What an opening. And then after that, it just kind of flatlines. Positives. One, some of the cinematography and some shots of Italy were nice to look at at times. Two, the score was good in certain scenes. Three, again, the opening was so promising, the slow reveal of the dead bodies and the look on that guy's face as he walks through slowly. Love the feel of that scene. It set everything in motion nicely. Four, the other kills were brutal. Five, there are quite a few impactful out-of-nowhere action bits. Car explosion, van brutally ramming a mafia member into a wall, etc. There were some funny moments of humor. Number six, negatives. One, what the hell is this script? All they needed to do is have Denzel in Italy whilst these mafia members are terrorizing the locals and have a bad guy that is full of flavor and personality as well as being brutal. And Denzel steps in and decides to clean things up because he wants to retire in Italy. That's it. All this CIA, drug running, drug busts, and terrorists is all unnecessary. And it's not even executed well in the first place. Two. 
The villain and his crew are one-dimensional as hell. No personality whatsoever. They are brutal, and that's it. No depth whatsoever. The CIA woman is fine, but they are not giving a lot to do. Three, the climax. You call that a climax? It just ends out of nowhere. On top of that, it was a completely missed opportunity. The script could have had the villain written in to be walking through the streets in front of the whole village and paraded around, and the villagers finally get their revenge. Overall, Equalizer 3 has good and even at times great impactful surprising action scenes. Luckily, it wasn't one of those death watches, 1, 2, 3, and 4 on the rating scale. It actually could have been great. But because of everything that I mentioned in the negatives, it completely bogs it down. Equalizer 3 is on the bottom scale of mid at best. 5, 6, and 7. 2 out of 7 found that helpful. My He's man an underappreciated busted it down genius. for the art. He needs, he... Genius is all often unappreciated yeah. in its time. Uh, DPS 86. That's that's low. Those are rookie numbers. You got to pump those numbers up. Has <laughs> uh, an also a nine out of ten review. Of the Equalizer three. Denzel at the peak of his game. Peak spelt as in like you're playing peekaboo. Not as in like a mountain peak. So don't for a moment think that because Denzel Washington is getting older that he's somehow losing his touch. You would be sorely mistaken, and the same can be said about the director, Antoine Fuqua, for they both have struck gold with this, the final installment of their spellbinding and riveted series based upon the television series in the mid-80s of the same name. And without giving anything away, you will learn Robert McCall connects back with some of the past adventures from the previous movies and does so in ways that reflect the lead character's unwavering principles and make him even that much more of a doer of good. Bravo. Uh, the reason I read like that is because there were almost no periods in that entire you ran movie. that shit on. <laughs> Run rails with that. Two out of two found that helpful. I, I, I'm going to ruin that perfect record. One out of ten from Narf says, wake me up before I go-go. Warning spoilers. I wanted to give it a two out of two star rating, but seeing all this great and excellent reviews left me no choice but giving it one star. Damn, I didn't expect much after the second movie, but boy was I wrong. It starts with a bunch of bodies lying around. So I was thinking, okay, maybe they show the action in a flashback afterwards, but, well, the writers have decided The Equalizer is now a story-driven movie and doesn't need action sequences. So, of course, he gets shot in the in the back and wakes up in a wonderful village at the shore in Sicily, and a doctor and policeman just fix him without asking questions. Dot, dot, dot. Okay. Dot, dot, dot. He's trying to drink tea and is mocked for it, but but as he recovers, he is getting best friend with the locals. We are one hour and 15 minutes in the movie, and what happened? Kinda nothing. Ellipses, except some mafia goons harassing the locals. In the end, they try to force in some action, but it doesn't feel uh, right. Well, they said rigth. Ah. Doesn't feel rigth. <laughs> uh, Denzel kills everyone. I hate without... when things don't feel like. Yeah, yeah. When when uh, it's, you're either left or you're rigged. 
Yeah, you um, just can't go forcing something that's not Rex. <laughs> Denzel kills everyone without any kind of trouble. He is just in God mode and eradicates everything in sixth. It's not like the prem. Isn't that they the draw the, of this movie? The, the, they had the same spelling error. Oh, with sight. Sixth. <laughs> <laughs> Did At they least they're consistent. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Uh, errat- er- sorry, eradicates everything in sixth, but <laughs> somehow, out of your sixth, most of the time, <laughs> as I said in the beginning, I didn't expect much, but come on, what- watching a white wall probably would be more entertaining than this. Ellipses. Seven out of 15 found this helpful. Wow. <laughs> I did not catch that in the first read through, though. Sixth well, the, read the um uh Eradicates. The um the obvious I completely lost my train of thought. <laughs> so I guess it's not that obvious. Moving on. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, finally. The actual top rated review from one of my OGs, one of the Pantheon. The the I wanna say it's called the camaraderie. Why would that be the name of my? Why would that be my group noun? It's a camaraderie of reviewers. Um, from feet, cadre, perhaps cadre. is the word you're I like looking that. for. Yeah, from from the cadre. Um, you know him. You've heard of him. You have an opinion on him. It's feast mode. Ferguson six <laughs> with his six out of ten. Um, one thing that never fails: Denzel is so damn cool. The Equalizer three is a solid concluding chapter to this entertaining trilogy. Even with an entirely new setting and cast, it does a great job of setting everything up and making you care about his new relationships. The movie overall is entertaining and mostly satisfying. As usual, Denzel is a beast. Charm and charisma are off the charts. This isn't news. Like with part two, there are a few looks he gives that chill me to the bone. It's so impressive the way he portrays being the nicest guy in one scene and the scariest guy in another. The only thing holding this back from being great is the surprising lack of action. Now, I wouldn't call either of the previous movies action-packed, but I would estimate this one has a total of about seven minutes of action. That's just not enough, and it especially hurts during the not-so-climactic climax. I still had a good time with this movie. If you like the series, I think you will be pleased. And to Hollywood, more Denzel, please. One viewing, opening Friday, Ultra Screen 9 1 39 out of 52. Found that helpful. Thank you, Feast Mode. Nice. Feast Mode. Feast out. Once again, delivering the goods. Um, just as Barbie continues to deliver the goods to Warner Brothers, $13.4 million in its seventh week. Holding on to that number two spot. Crossing over to $1.386 billion worldwide, which I do believe finally put it ahead of Mario. Um, so I believe this is the number one movie of the year. Nice. Climbed its way. Who had that on their bingo card? <laughs> <laughs> um, Blue Beetle. Um... And yeah, I remember my third spot on Barbie was I'm not sure how well this is going to find an audience because I'm not really sure what they're they're going for here. But yeah. it, it found a rather large audience, it would yeah. seem. 
we were never sure like who it was for, and then it turned they out were it like was... it's for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Barbie movie is for the people. <laughs> uh, Blue Beetle, um, not having the great run of things at the box office in its third week, bringing nine. Point four million dollars over the long weekend, bringing its worldwide gross over a hundred million dollars. But I'm sure it is still representing a money loser for Warner Brothers. Thank God they released Barbie, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's going to prop them up for a few years. <laughs> yeah, right. And like that's the flip side of that coin is like, man, Barbie could the profits could fund like so much growth and development, and maybe it is. But part of me goes, oh, a good portion, a good chunk of those profits are going right into the hole of stuff like the Blue Beetle. Yeah, probably. I don't Although know how much they've I had feel some bad other hits. How much I can feel bad for a company, but it's a it's a disappointment to me as a strategist <laughs> and a tactician. <laughs> I can finish that one. I'm glad you choked on your own. <laughs> You're a bullshit Look, on that I one. hoist I hoist my own petard plenty. <laughs> Over here. I'm a hoisting that machine. True. That is really really your specialty. As it, as it happens. No one no one has a, a hoister petard than I do. No one's no one's petard is voicier than mine. I'm so, I'm so fucking petarded. oh geez (laughs) Gran Turismo um, find itself in fourth Peter you went to see this movie want to give your thoughts on that I will Uh, here's my I'm not going to give a five minute review because maybe we'll see it you'll all see it at some point but I'll give a 30 second review Um, it is uh, this is a movie that should be based on a true story because it involves Real real life products are used in the making of this movie, like Sony and Gran Turismo and Nissan. Um, it's it was a pretty good story. Um, it was very very melodramatic, um, big old cheese fest, which is kind of what I want because it's uh, it played it like a classic underdog sports movie, um, where it's this it's the kid. Who's coming up from from not much? His dad his dad works in the train yard, and he disapproves of his son playing the video games. You're never gonna get anywhere, son. Yes, I will, Dad. You just don't believe in me. I'm gonna be big one day. And then um, he gets caught. He gets he joins up with the the GT Academy. Um, there is again. This is where a lot of the other reviewers had very. Uh, they had a lot of uh, disagreement with this. They were upset that. This was a based on a true story movie. They're like, no, it was in the third GT Academy. I'm like, I'm sorry, guys. Like, these it's, it's going to take embellishments. I'm sorry you had to learn this story. week, uh, Gran Turismo uh, fan base, that movies will embellish a lot of this stuff. Um, this is and this is no different. So, yeah, it's a very classic. Like, he rises up through the ranks. He goes through the hardships. He does the hard knocks, and he develops the you know relationship with his. His gruff but heart of gold teacher, who's who was a racer in his past, but he was he couldn't make it at Le Mans. At Le Mans, so he Le Mans. yeah, so he he had to retire. But maybe his his student will get the race that he never got, you know. And it's it plays it like exactly like that all the way, uh, which I like. 
Um, it also incorporates so it incorporates a lot of the video game stuff at the beginning, more at the end. But I like the use of effects uh, to help convey information during the race um, because what the way they shoot is they'll shoot the the race kind of in wide and to identify what's going on and help a viewer like me who is not used to watching uh, <laughs> racing content help him identify what is going on in the frame what's going on the shot um, they'll, they put up a little like lap or, or like a position indicator over some of the different racers who you're supposed to be paying attention to um, and it looks like a video game and you're like oh yeah this is a Gran Turismo video game movie and you're like oh he's in seventh kind of yeah <laughs> kind of um, so it's it was a very it was a very creative use of VFX to help convey the story, which I I'm all for. I'm always for um, Sony flexing their, their VFX department as they like to do. This is a good use of it. This pixels would not be a good use of it. This is a good <laughs> use of it where they do, a, they do a lot of effects. Uh, it's a repeated kind of effect throughout the movie of like the car ex- goes into the exploded views. It zooms in on him, you know, to, to uh, kind of simulate him, getting into his headspace, stuff like that. Um, for Sony, yes, this is a this is a really solid entry. Um, definitely cheesy, definitely over the top melodrama. If you're into that, I think this would be a fun is a fun popcorn muncher. Go, I would say go watch it. Yeah, or if you're worried, if you're on the fence, don't watch it in theaters. Go watch it at home. It'll be on streaming, I'm sure. Um, yeah, I'm sure it will be uh, out of theaters and onto streaming quite quickly. Yeah. Um, but you know there isn't a lot in theaters right now, and there's not a lot like in the pipeline. So maybe they they try to squeeze a little more blood from the stone. Yeah, they, this may enjoy a long run. I did. It was very funny. I will share one anecdote because, like, on the one hand, you had a lot of the commenters who were like. Oh, the thing that happened in the middle of the movie, that actually happened after his after the climax. The things are out of order. This movie is totally unfactual. You know, the cars you're driving is blah 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 and they're all like gearheads and motorheads. And then I have the guy who walked out of the theater next to me and he's like the wait, is there really like a what if there was like a twenty four hours at Le Mans race? What if that was real? <laughs> <laughs> he was like I was like, is that an actual thing? Could that could that exist? Did yeah. a movie about that come out recently? Yeah. Um, oh yeah, that was one. That was one more thing that I'll throw on. It was a lot of people felt um, that this was a lot of the reviews felt that this was a less well developed version of Ford v Ferrari, which probably. Um, but I would say it makes a good. I would say this is a good appetizer for that. Um, this is this will be your uh, preview. You know your feature before if you're doing your double feature, you watch this one first, then you watch Ford v Ferrari. Careful listeners will hear the young young child making his debut on the show. Is that making through? I can hear it. It's a baby crying. Everyone can hear it. We're hard. That's, our I, su- that's, that's people's superpowers, being able to hear a baby. Don't even worry about I'll it. Oh, check. My audacity sensitivity is not shouldn't be too uh, too high, so I, I wasn't seeing any. The, the, I think the noise cancellation will, yeah. will get it. It's a combination of I have pretty good headphones and pretty good hearing so yeah i'm not i'm never sure when they can actually make it through but yeah he's he's uh waking up with folgers in his cup 
Start him young. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you got to. I mean, only one Put way. He was, he, was the up there. he was wreaking havoc upstairs not too long ago. He was spit up in the bassinet, peed all over his changing table. It's just like, I got to get it all done. <laughs> the child just <laughs> got to get it all out of me. <laughs> I'm making your life as hard as possible right now. <laughs> thank, thank you, child. Thank you. Your mother appreciates you. Thank you, child. Um, yeah, so uh, what else we got in the top ten here? Well, after Gran Turismo sits Oppenheimer in its seventh week, bringing another $7.6 million, bringing its total worldwide gross to $865 million. Um, it's enjoying pretty good success, from what I understand, in, in mainland China. So uh, I can see that number going up uh, quite a bit. It might even... I don't. I don't think it'll quite get there, but nine hundred million dollars not out of the question right now for Oppenheimer. Yeah. Uh, which, and like I like I said, in some ways I consider this to be a bigger success than Barbie, just because of um, the smaller audience potential and the smaller number of showings. The format limitations of the yeah. distribution. Yeah. It's definitely maxing out. It's hitting the max out of what it what it can achieve. Yes, it's achieved its full potential uh, and beyond. Honestly, I think even even the studio would be the first to tell you we didn't quite expect this, but uh, it's a testament to the quality of the movie. Yep. Uh, TMNT Mutant Mayhem brings in six point two million dollars, bringing its total worldwide over. $153 million, so tidy sum there for the Paramount Pictures joint. Bottoms uh, has rolled out into more theaters. It's currently in 715, and it brought in uh, $3.8 million, bringing its total uh, to 5.5, all domestic. Um, nice. Meg to the Trench. Uh, on its way out of theaters, 2371 $3.6 million out of that, uh, bringing its total worldwide to $376 million. So that's another success for Warner Brothers right there. Um, Strays has not exactly been the success that Oppenheimer was for <laughs> Universal. Uh, $3.2 million for Strays in its third week. Uh, bringing its worldwide gross to a paltry $30.7 million. What's what's fucking interesting to me is, like, I just think about this. Like, both in the case of, like, Warner's and Universal, right? Like, the movies that you would think would be there to... It's, it's kind of a reverse. Like, you think that they put out strays and, like... Uh, the other stuff, you know, put out those wide appeal movies to support Oppenheimer. You thought that like Warner would put out something like Blue Beetle and Meg Two to like, well, I guess not for Barbie, right? Because Barbie is a very mass appeal movie. But you would think that like Strays would be the one that would make the money to support Oppenheimer because less people I would wouldn't. assume to have come to that movie. But in, in fact, it's the other way, which is a really rough arrangement because I don't feel like there is a there's a big demand for strays. Uh, yeah, see, that's where I think I don't necessarily agree with the premise. Um, 
I mean, just because it's a comedy bend doesn't necessarily make it a wider appeal. I think the ceiling for a mid-budget comedy is not something. And you can tell uh, by how they chose to spend their advertising budget which movie they had more faith in. Yeah, I guess that is true. Um, they put their marketing budget behind the right horse. It just It just makes me, it's just a weird feeling when it's like, where, yeah, like the artsy who's heavy movie. Who and why is why are they carrying them? You know, I will agree with you with uh, Blue Beetle. Uh, you know, kind of being the expected like safe tentpole release, um, but they <laughs> unfortunately for Warner Brothers, the DC movie franchise never really developed into that for them. Yeah, it really. I guess I guess it's uh, really just it's kind of a cart before the horse kind of situation. Yeah. Uh, and running up the top ten, we have Talk to Me. And it's sixth week. Uh, the A24 horror joint uh, bringing in $2.28 million. Bringing its total worldwide to 66 mil, which is uh, not bad for the movie that I'm sure cost pennies and peanuts to make. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I believe that's that's the follow-up right there. Let's... Yep. Let's talk briefly with some gaming news, and then we'll we'll discuss our feature presentation. Let's do. All right. All right. Well, if you guys are, who wants to go first? I'll 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 proffer this first. Um, so, reportedly, behind closed doors at Gamescom this year, uh, Nintendo was showing off the Switch too. Um, the demo they were using, uh, and this is information that comes from both VGC and Eurogamer, who have heard this from their own sources, separate sources, um, which likely includes some of the developers that demoed it, but it was a updated version of Breath of the Wild. Mm-hmm. Uh, running at higher frame rates and higher resolutions than previously possible on the current switch um the thought is that it is using uh nvidia's dlss technology to achieve some of these results which would make sense because why wouldn't you use that i mean it's basically free performance the upscaling is quite good Um, you never know with nintendo though yeah, they've they've made some some interesting choices in their time for sure, um, and it was also capable of running the Matrix Awakens Unreal Five engine demo, which means that it will support Unreal Five, um, which will be if it can run that okay, that'd be huge for third party support on the Switch too, because I have a feeling that much like UE three. Unreal Five is going to be the the one of the bigger engines that uh, kind of dominates this console generation. Yeah. Um. So being able to have that engine perform well on your hardware is is going to be big for them. Um. Obviously, the Tegra has been discontinued. Um. And that is what the original Switch and Nvidia Shield. Uh streaming boxes run on um so it's it is running presumed to run an nvidia chip of some sort um i'm sure as we get closer we'll learn more about that my interest in the switch 2 
uh, largely stems from my interest in the uh, possibility of whatever chip is used in the Switch 2 leading to a hardware revision for the NVIDIA Shield streaming box. Although that seems less likely as it, uh, NVIDIA is shifting most of its resources to uh, its data center and AI departments. So unlikely <laughs> that they're going to prioritize that, but we'll see. Man can dream. And that's that. Cool. I've got one real quick. Um, so I, I don't know if this was on. I, don't, I doubt this was on anybody's radars. And it's kind of uh, gaming news. Uh, a little bit of NFT news. Oh, fun. Uh, have you heard about the Creator League? No. So you all know Mr. Beast. Um, <laughs> yes. just, I know yeah, that he's average. suing Beastburger. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's, yeah. That's Be- good. yeah. Mr. Beast is suing the company in charge of like controlling Beastburger. And like they're counter suing. What's it's, it for? It's like, is it like a, like a legal thing? So he's alleging the the that. Yeah, yeah, he's alleging that the quality of product is doing damage to his brand. And they're alleging that he has attempted to sabotage the product. Yeah. Wow. So it's, yeah, it's, it's kind of nuts. Pretty wild stuff. Um, And so the Crater League is something that I don't know if he um, had started this or if he's the um, front man. The uh, face of, this, of it. Of this thing. So Mr. Beast put like this advertisement out on one of his latest videos called, um, you know, talking about Crater League and how you can be a part of this um, and how you can like follow uh, your favorite, some of your favorite content creators. And it had some pretty big names as uh, Bella Porch, Mizkif, um, uh, I Show Speed, Connor Dog, Virginia, to name a few of the, the bigger, bigger names. Mm-hmm. And like I say bigger names. You may not recognize these, but these are all people who have pretty decent-sized followings. Um, and this Crater League uh, was was promoted as this pretty big celebrity social media gaming thing, um, streamer variety streamer thing, and tickets to oh, I'm, I'm reading an article now. Sign up. And it's were it's were um we're on a were blockchain in the form of NFTs. Yeah. yeah, they were in the blockchain, and they were in the form of NFTs. And so once this got out, that and NFTs were not referenced at all ever in the promotion of this. In like I think the description of this, and even some of the people who joined this did not even know that like NFTs or the blockchain were going to be a part of this as well. Um, and for the average user internet goer you see nft you see blockchain and you automatically think of like pump and dump rug pull this is some shady shit i don't want to be involved with at the very least people can very can speculate a lot on yeah if it's non-fungible they'll they're right for speculating yeah so so uh some of the people involved with this started rumors about possibly backing out and if not backing out um you know, started showing a little bit of apprehension. Uh, the creators of this, the people behind it, this company, I don't know if the company's mentioned this article. It should be, though. The company behind it had said, oh, no, hey, this isn't like your normal NFT. 
where you collect it. It's only for collector's purposes. It's a special ticket that is linked to whoever who bought it. It's not like your. It's not like the NFT. The ticket is the thing that you're selling. Uh, that we're selling that that is the product. The Creator League is the product. Right. Um, but there was another wrinkle in this when uh, the Creator League uh, started or announced that they are like indefinitely postponed or something like that because the company that's backing it is doing a lot of like reorganization mm-hmm. and filing for bankruptcy or something. Um, <laughs> it is not great. And if we, if you know, if NFTs are good at one thing, it's definitely giving refunds back to people. It's definitely super yeah. easy to back out of an NFT project and a blockchain project, uh, especially after people have sunken money into it. Just super easy to, you know, reverse that process in crypto in in a crypto environment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, Efuse was the the name of the company behind it. Um, and they are going through some restructuring and layoffs of about 30 people. And the long-term status of the Creator League is unclear. And they are um, delaying it for the indefinite future. Yeah, so there are more to come, but that was kind of interesting news on the wake of, like, probably somebody who's, I would say the face of YouTube, the, the, the biggest YouTuber around who's promoting this, um, is driving this like gaming league thing. Yeah. Cause I don't know if you saw the numbers from Mr. Beast, but it's, it's kind of fucking crazy. He does big numbers. That's yeah. for sure. He does huge numbers on 20 minute videos. Like AdSense alone is, is raking you in cash. Not alone. Not, not to mention like the, the constant sponsors and the uh, there's another issue that he's created which was what sponsor will go with him that's big enough because the money he's expecting from these sponsors have to be massive right it's like huge and so you have to have a sponsor that's big enough to to well yeah i mean like you got you reach a point where you get so many offers because of your reach that you have to come at them with the f- the fuck you price. Like, yeah. Yeah. you have to be willing to pay- compensate me what I feel my time is worth. Yeah, it's a, it's a this is one of those, I, I don't know if he's the sole one, but he's really one of the, um, at this stage, you know, he lives in that top, the top sphere of the content creator where it's, it is a not just a business, but a large business, a corporate business. Um, that has to do a lot of maybe very very business minded decisions. Oh, sure. um, yep. Even above, you know, the level where a YouTuber goes business. Uh, you know, they yeah. There's business. at a certain point, like you can't avoid it. You have to become that kind of corporate thinker. You have to become that business minded thing i was it's funny because like that phrasing that you use was almost the exact same phrasing that um kaylee and i were watching the nickelodeon documentary on hulu Mm. and uh those that's like almost exactly what the woman who was like the ceo of nickelodeon at the time said when she left the company because she wasn't interested in, in being that corporate kind of person it's just tough like yeah especially yeah for something like nickelodeon where 
at the top level at the C level, like it's product. It's just it doesn't matter what it is. It's product. It's a widget, um, and you have yeah. to try and fight that. So I I understand the it's a tough position to be in. Um, boohoo! My tears go out to all the billionaires. <laughs> um, and my fucking smiles go out to the subject of my five minute review this week. You're doing it right. Um, bomb rush cyberfunk with an occasional tag in. Rock. I haven't finished the gate, but I've played enough of it to have a pretty concrete opinion on on the major systems at play. Sweet. Um, so let me just say. I've so as we all know, I have been keeping tabs on this for the last two years, watching it like a hurricane, <laughs> just unable to tear away from it. Um, and it has it has rewarded me. My crops are watered. I it's what I wanted, and it's not rare that you can say something like that in a game where it's like it comes out and you play it and you're like, this meets my expectations. <laughs> This yeah, that's how I would I would describe it. It meets expectations um, quite well, but I wouldn't say it exceeds them. Um, it it does have a couple flaws, um, but I am absolutely going to be looking past those. I will. I'll definitely I'll acknowledge them here. But yeah, I, like no. I let me be clear. I like the game. It is it is what I would have hoped for it to be, but. At the same time, I don't feel that it it modernizes the concept enough for me to really want to play it over Jet Set Radio Future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the for me, it's yeah, like the fun factor is Trump and all at this point, and I don't know. And again, since I've been watching this, I don't know how much I wanted this to be a newer, like a new modernized version i was very much expecting this to be essentially the mighty number nine except without right without all the bullshit yes um and that's really what we got we got like a a ukulele we got a mighty mighty number nine um whatever kind you have there and this was very faithful to that um i guess for good and for bad um but really the so Things to note, the, the good things about this game, for sure. Um, the smooth movement. The movement... Controls are very nice. Really good, which I, I feel like this was a lot of what the dev time went into, as it should, which, you know, that indicates really good... The whole game kind of indicates for me good, at least, design intentions and planning They're, sensibility. They prioritize... Yeah, they prioritize the correct things, Um Mm-hmm. for sure yeah. when they were and developing it it should be noted that this game was delayed for like a year i assume to to like really tighten up stuff like this and get the systems working well um yeah yeah they, i've had no issues with like janky hit detection on grind rails um mm-hmm. or any like weird they, glitchy oddities everything kind of responds exactly as you think it should Mm-hmm. and um, that's really the highest praise you can give to a control scheme. Yeah. Um, oh, what was it? Yeah, it's like, I. <laughs> it's a mark for me that this game is, it's just fun to move around in, that um, when you're just on a rail, right, you're just doing tricks. 
and you're doing tricks and you're doing movement stuff because it's fun to do. And this freaked, freaked me out. I watched Dunky play this game and like Dunky, I love your videos. I, your content's fine, but you played this like a psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> like he would just sit on, he would grind on a rail and just not move. He wouldn't do anything. He just ride it. <laughs> and he would just do like the bare, the strict bare minimum of what he had. How to are you going to charge win. your boost gauge? <laughs> right. It, it was it was it was so interesting to see because he played a very like a very optimized kind of like style of just doing exactly no more than what you needed to do, which is not how I feel the game. Uh, you know, that's not how I enjoy it. Regardless, no, it's all about freestyling. You know, you've got the groove tracks going on in the background, mm-hmm. um, which, and yes, I'm sure I'm we'll sorry, get I didn't to mention that earlier. Soundtrack solid. Excellent. Good for what it is. Solid. Yes. I will say solid. Um, I will not say great. I, I'll have to admit that the soundtrack is one of the areas that I was uh, most disappointed in. None of the music's bad, but there are very few like of those earwormy type grooves that I remember so fondly from Jet Grind Radio and Jet Set Radio. Some of that's lack of licensed music. Uh, a lot of that, I think, is just kind of a sameness to the stylistic choices for the soundtrack. Mm. Um, wasn't as much variety as I felt that there was with that is the, a le- the Jet Grind. Really, uh, you know, that's a, definitely one that I agree with. Was you know, it's it's one that people don't remember a lot from Jet Set Radio, Jet Grind Radio. Was that um, there was like ska and rock in in that metal uh, almost yeah Yeah. um it wasn't just the electronic bangers um so i do kind of that is that absence is kind of felt here um but at the same time for me this one hits right on my tastes so i've been jamming this playlist i've been jamming the playlist you know in the background the last few days the one ear the one earworm that did got me get me is i want to know Mm-hmm. Um, Mello is awesome. Both, yeah. You know, shout out to both his albums. Well, he has even more project, but his first two albums got me hooked. He's got like even more come out. He's he's definitely developed from originally being like a JSR tribute kind of uh, project into developing his own thing, and that's kind of got him coming around full circle. Um, oh, I was gonna say <laughs> the other one that, that pops in my ear. Um, it's definitely an earworm now. It's for me. This is the this is this game's version of birthday cake is uh, Ollie's <laughs> precious thing. Otherwise known as the ass, ass, ass song. <laughs> I will, I'll share you. I'll share the link with you, Jake, and you can listen to it as I review. Um, yeah. So again, the, the movement and the, the soundtrack I think are the big two um, ones that they're the most developed on. Um, and those, those were, absolutely enough to get me super hyped and carry me all the way through the game. Um, that with the, that and the aesthetics right on point. Um, I, so when I discuss some of the flaws here, I want you to know that this, these constitute a fairly minor portion of my experience with the game. Like, yeah, these things Generally... are legitimate for sure. They are definitely there. But for me, like the rest of what I'm talking about, it's, I could go on for a long time about the depth of the experience, and if you play it, you will understand as well 
uh, what it feels like to go around in this world and experience it. It's it's hypnotizing in a way that um, Jet Set Radio and Jet Grind Radio were hypnotizing, where like you just get so caught up. The movement's so fun that you just get caught up in it and just want to do it. It's mm-hmm. similar to one of the things I praise a lot about uh, Insomniac Spider-Man games is that the movement is just so fun that sometimes I just boot up that game and swing around the city because that's what I want to do for the fun. And sometimes I'll just pull a bomb rush cyberpunk and and go go to the Millennium Mall and just trick for 10 minutes because that's how I want to spend my afternoon. (laughs) That's Yes, that is the perfect encapsulation of it. Um, And again, the game really supports that. Um, so, so a couple of my, I guess my complaints about this game, um, is that it's almost related to that. Like you said, there's, the movement is very deep. There's a lot going on with it under the surface. And, um, that leads to a pretty rewarding experience when you know all, all about it, which this game would have benefited greatly from a robo robo character like you had in JSRF that would give you like a Sifu-esque tutorial mode for some of these more advanced options. So the tutorial's op- optional if you are one of those people who like, well, I want to learn and discover for myself. The level design definitely encourages uh, and supports discovery of these more advanced mechanics. Yeah. But for those of people who want to know the depth of the system, having the advanced tutorials would have been very nice otherwise there's a lot that you could and you have all that space in the garage that you're not really doing anything (laughs) with in the game yeah um yeah like i i figured out a lot on my own as i played like the the game design is pretty good at implying what you're supposed to do and how stuff works but it doesn't explain it and then you kind of need to do that like so here's a couple of specific examples and for you listening at home this is your learning, so you know before you go. Um, <laughs> before so you buy. Some, <laughs> some quick tips, and this will actually segue into my other one. So quick tips. You're, if you're on your feet and you're running, you hit a trick and then a jump it right after each other, and you do a vault that gets you more air than if you just jumped. Um, and is needed to clear some obstacles later in the game. Yes. Um, two, power strips. This one, they kind of show that they're around, but they don't show you what it's for. Uh, the blue strips with the orange outline on them with the lights on them, those give you infinite slide. They don't yeah, consume they your slide kinda, meter. Well, I'll, I'll disagree because the Millennium, there's a portion in the Millennium Law level where when you're trying to impress the .exe people, one of their challenges is on an infinite slide track. Right. No, so, so they, they show you that. But they don't, again, they don't tell you that. And I've seen people, I've, I've watched a lot of gameplay of this too from other people. And they'll do it and they'll, they'll run through it, but they won't pick it up in their head that that's a thing and be able to apply it to other situations. Um, okay, well, I think that's more on them than the game design. But <laughs> Well, I guess uh, to my point, that's kind of part of what I would hope out of the game design. I don't, like, you want to take the bounce of it, holding your hand through everything, which I think he def- Dion definitely didn't want to uh, do he wanted to shy away from that as much as possible but i think he went in the other direction of there's some really obscure stuff that it's not it's it just doesn't feel you don't know until you either stumble across it or you see someone else do it um uh and that kind of leads me into the combat which from what i've seen you're either in two camps one of two camps for the combat 
either it's pretty it's okay it's serviceable and it it takes a good you know it's a uh pace changer or it's like really frustrating and it totally breaks the flow i think it's i'd say it for me at least it leans a little bit more on the tedious side i would have preferred if there were a deeper deeper kind of like combo system you could do like you can string some tricks together, but they don't really like flow into a combo that's very satisfying to try to figure out. And it's all just kind of like any hit is a hit. There, it doesn't, I, at least I haven't found any like practical differences between which button you push right. and, you know, how it affects your approach to combat. Mm-hmm. The, so the I one... would appreciate a little more depth, especially for how much of the game it's it's in you know mm-hmm. yeah the um there is there is a little bit of depth that is again which they don't explain they don't really tell you how to do combat at all they just okay, put, no. they, in the first level they literally put you in a room with cops and say figure it out uh or get a game <laughs> over um and you'll i've seen people who learn <laughs> they learn it wrong they're learning it wrong <laughs> where they just learn how to do the hits and the strikes and they like they learn they can tag cops but it doesn't really do anything when they miss out on the whole the whole um tag finisher system which makes it a lot smoother is that if you get one or two hits on a guy and then you jump the jump is actually the launcher which launches everyone around you who's been hit and anyone who's in the air near you can then be tagged with a more generous window than if you just do uh, if you finish with just strikes because they'll fly away from you instead of up. Um, yeah. And if you do that, then it turns, it cuts about the length of the length of the fight of any average encounter, like in half or more, depending if you can like multi get a multi kill. Um, yeah, but then they introduced enemies that really kind of gum up combat, like the heavy officers. Yes. I feel that they're a little bit more obtuse than they should be Mm -hmm. and i yeah so i think the idea at least especially in like the post game right was as the because it is going to keep escalating i don't know how far you've gotten kurt oh yeah yeah i like i've i've almost i've gotten i haven't gotten the six stars yet but i've gotten to where i can get five stars right and um so yeah six stars is they do bring in one of the bosses of the game that's a regular enemy um <laughs> so i haven't gotten that in regular play six star heat but i have done encounters where you'll have that and it's it is a bit of a cluster but i think the the intention is that by that point you're really you should have already done a lot of the graffiti around everywhere so there's not a lot of need to bring up your heat level um yeah so with that aside you know and with combat i think also the intention is you're supposed to fight for a little bit and get out of there um but the yeah that one is definitely one that could could use uh, a bit of a tune up and that brings me kind of to my last point which is um for a lot of this stuff the modding community that came out right after this like it started on day 1 and they've done some really good stuff um model swapping seems to be very uh very easy to do so we've gotten a lot of very cool custom characters, a lot of cool imports. I've seen Dante. I've seen Gabriel from Ultra Kill. <laughs> I've seen, you know, cl- of course, classic Jet Set Radio, um, yep. Sonic. 
So, and they all look really great. They, you know, I haven't seen, I don't think I've seen a janky one yet because it's just replacing, it's just taking the, the blender model and putting it right into the, the data where one of your characters would be. I have seen yep. them import, you know, import music. I've seen some, someone set up a full working multiplayer mod with uh, score battle functionality so you can get into the same area with all your friends and do score battles in the levels. It's yeah, it's pretty it's pretty excellent functionality right out of the gate for the modding community. So I I'm expecting even more good things to come from them. I've seen and to your point, um, also combat mods, right? They've added in actual combat yeah. systems if you want to do that more in depth and have more control over your combat experience. Yeah, I just think it'd be a little bit more engaging it because like combat it's not it's not excessively present in the game but it is it is something you deal with frequently more frequently i feel than in jsrf where it's just kind of like a capper to right. that portion of the level yep so in some um i think there's a lot of there's and there's a lot of good game design in here um there are a couple misses just based on tuning um but the where the fun is is where the quality is and that's what I yeah. really want out of, especially, you know, a small team um, and what they do. Uh, so this is a definite recommend for me. If there's any part of the experience that uh, is not up to not up to par for you, there's probably a mod for it. Um, go enjoy the game, experience the game. Um, it's $40, and I think that is a fine price for what you're getting. Um, unless you just want to play the story and then you're done. Um, if you want to do... If you're okay with doing more than that, uh, this is yeah, uh, no, yeah, it's no a, it's recommend. a type. Yeah, it's a type of game that might not appeal to everybody, but I feel everyone should at least try. Um, I think forty dollars for a try it price, maybe a little high. Maybe wait until it's on sale for thirty dollars. I think thirty dollars, at least for the length of the campaign, seems a little bit more of a fair price. Um, but I. As someone who's nostalgic for this type of game that is mm. quite rare, yeah, and, uh, forty dollars was was a small price to pay. Yeah, and as someone who's wanted this for a while, this let me say again is my tagline that this lived up to what I wanted. Met expectations, yes. Yep. So that that's my uh, that's my quick or probably a little longer than quick review. <laughs> a little bit longer than five minutes, five um, but. Now I it's, never. It's a passion. Now I never have to talk about it again. Now we just, yeah. Now here's my f- five minute review of One Piece live action from Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> have you Did seen? Did you it actually yet? watch how, it? How much of it have you seen? Yeah, I watched it. I, I finished it. Well, Any good? It's it. If you want to know my thoughts, I'll make it really brief. Um, because it's a it's an old anime. It's been around forever. Um, so honestly, if you probably started watching the show when you were younger, you know, like Toonami and shit like that, that's how I got introduced to it. Um, Mm -hmm. I never finished the series at all. It's way too fucking long, even (laughs) with the filler episodes. Um, this only goes to about episode 50, uh, out of like a thousand. (laughs) (laughs) So this is a weird situation. I'm very interested to see what Netflix will do with this because this is like their best show they got right now. And it's like trumping Stranger Things and everything. 
So if they decide to go further with it, how far are they going to take it? That's my big question. Are they going to take it to episode 1,000? Or are they going to take it halfway? Mm -hmm. Or are they going to cut it in half? Speed run shit? I have no idea. Um, Well, it sounds like they're already speed running shit. They made it through the content of like 50 episodes and... Yeah, but I don't know how much of that is filler, and they they hit a lot of the beat. The, I would imagine the, in the early portion there wouldn't be a ton of filler. Uh, <laughs> really? I don't know. You talk about One Piece, where like they have a thousand episodes, and they people easily say there's probably about four to six hundred episodes that you can skip, and. I'm like, oh damn. Okay, so there's there's a lot of filler in there. Um, in the first fifty episodes, they hit the main the main notes where you get all your crew members because Luffy's just getting crew members, finding a ship, and fighting other pirates and uh, then the Marines. So it gets to that point, and I, from what I heard, they don't miss anything. I'd have to look into see what things they skipped over. Uh, there are a lot of characters in the series, so there's going to be a lot of characters in the show that they're going to have to, you know, shell out money for, for these like actual like solid, you know, acting choices that they have to do. So, I, it's a very hard, I think, live action to tackle, mm-hmm. and they did a really, really good job with season one. The um, I spent a lot of money on it because there's a lot of practical effects. The casting, the costume, the set pieces look fantastic. The animation of like Luffy stretching and everything like that, fine. You know, okay. Um, they toned down some of the character designs for obvious reasons. Usopp has like a really long nose um, in the anime, and that's just as goofy. Um, so they had to tone a lot of that shit down for live action because it would just look stupid. Um, and they did a good job, I think. So we'll see where they end up taking it. Um, yeah, I was entertained. And this is from an anime that I've heard a lot of good things about. Um, but it's just, it's long. And that's like the biggest barrier of, of entry into it. Mm-hmm. And if they do find out, we'll find a way to like make it something digestible in like the, you know, smaller time frame minus the filler. I think that's a win-win yeah. for people. Because, I mean... It's definitely got the it's got the push behind it. Like One Piece, yeah. as I understand, is like even in Japan, with the abundance of of animu, um, One Piece is like a national treasure. <laughs> it's, it, it is. I mean, anything that goes past the thousand episode mark and is still getting like praise for the new episodes that are coming out and the hype. Yeah, once once is... two generations of people can say that they grew up watching something it becomes like yeah. a national institution yeah so we'll see uh we'll see how it goes i'm, I'm just interested to see what netflix is going to do because this popped off and it's it is good i'm sure uh, season two is coming and then we'll see yeah. see how that is received and then that'll probably dictate more more or less <laughs> yeah that is going to be the unfortunate part if, if like season two season three or some of like that it starts waning um and then they just cut it. It's going to be It's the Netflix special, baby. <laughs> but that is a Netflix special. Exactly. Which is why I'm saying, I'm like, I'm curious to see what they're going to do. Because it's like, do they just ignore that and just persevere? 
Because yeah. they know that episode four I mean, ultimately, four they're be in better. this business to make money. And, uh, yeah. you know, no one's quite sure how how the outlook on that's going to work for streaming in the, the very near term. You know who's also in the uh, industry to make money? Who? Be, be Kind Rewind. There you go. I you know what I'm not so sure this movie had an intention of making a ton of money. Yeah. <laughs> well, no the the store the, the oh yes okay the, yes the, the, they, they want to make that dollar rental. They are in hey, the business that, to make money for sure. Okay, I I gotta say I I thought I saw this movie before. I feel like I've just heard about it so much yes. that I thought I had seen it. I had not seen this shit. So. I saw this movie probably around about when it came out, or when it, at least when it came out on DVD. I yeah, think I ironically, actually ironically it rented it from, <laughs> from a store. Yeah. Um, or I guess maybe that's exactly how you would expect it to go. But um, so I've I've seen this movie a while, and I had opinion of this movie as a kid, and I I wanted to watch it again as an adult to see if I still have that opinion, and I kind of do. And so here's my confession. I don't think this is that good a movie. I don't think it is either. Yeah, it definitely. <laughs> this fucking sucks. <laughs> I was going to say, did you hate it as a kid and still I, hate it as an adult thinking there was like a I felt like it was, yeah, I felt like I, was like, I missed something mid. as a kid. So like the, the marketing behind this was terrible. Like this was marketed as a comedy and much like Envy, another Jack Black small comedy from this era mm-hmm. um very light on laughs very high on extraneous bullshit that is not going to hold the kids interest so i figured all right maybe i just couldn't appreciate it at the time but watching it again as an adult very difficult to find any characters the root for very difficult to have a reason to want to care about any of this stuff and just like some of the principal characters are very unlikable. Yes. Like Jack Jack Black his character is a piece of shit, but he does a good comedy performance, right? He's they I think they tried to go for in again, not not really a high laugh a minute comedy movie, but um still light lighter hearted, so Jack I think was supposed to be the the crazy guy and most Def was supposed to be the straight man, but in the straight man role most stuff is like a charisma vacuum. Yeah, he a, he doesn't he a bring a lot to the movie. movie. Like, yeah, his uh, his scenes with anyone are are pretty pretty unbelievable. I don't know if that's but. a choice of that's like a choice of character or a choice of performance. Um, I think it's a little bit of both, but it comes together to just grind the pace of any scene or any you know flow to a halt as he kind of stand as his character kind of stammers his way through the dialogue based yeah. on deliver and halts everyone. I think this might've been one of that's uh, certainly, if it's not his first movie, it's one of his first acting roles. So, I mean, I could see him not being super comfortable with it, but you shouldn't have made it much past screen tests. <laughs> if, yeah. if you were that awkward with it. So I, I, I'm not going to lie, I kind of spaced out in like the first half of this, and I was like, I, I understand what's happening. Yes. But I think, but I I paid very close attention to the second half of this movie, and it 
makes me feel like there are two different movies happening under the oh. same title. Yeah. Where you know, we'll get into spoiler territory right away because it's like it's a movie. This movie is nineteen years old. <laughs> yeah. You know, if you haven't seen it, okay, I don't know what you're doing with your life. <laughs> Probably good, fine um, things. Probably, probably normal. You're shit spending your time wisely. You're spending, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, it starts off Jack Black's character in, and he's. So I mean, they first establish the fact that they're all friends with uh, Mr. Fletcher, and they all hang out in this VHS store. He's a pillar of their and, community, right? They're, yeah, it's a staple place. There's, it's got some history behind mm-hmm. it with uh, Fats Waller. Side note: legend history. Music. Shout out to the set designers. They made that. They made the video rental store uh, seem truly and like in a realistic manner, shitty as yeah. hell. Like it's that yeah. and the um the power plant set in the for in this in the beginning of the movie where they're all sitting around like eating lunch at the <laughs> in the junkyard. I'm like, oh, this is kind of like cozy in a weird, shitty sort of way. Um, yeah, I uh, yeah, I thought the production value had, had yes. a decent amount, and then uh you know they they Jack Black's character is, is his whole thing is like he's. He's neurotic to the point of fault, and he, he thinks everybody's out to get him. FBI, CIA, he does. They do the classic like, "Who is they? Who are he's they?" He's a conspiracy. Who's out to get you? Paranoid guy. Yeah. Conspiracy nut. So that leads him to try to sabotage the power grid because the, the, he uh, wants to. He thinks they're trying to control people with microwaves. Right. And and if you and, and as good as Jack this sorry as good as Jack Black's performance is. Um, if you think of, if you're picturing this character in your mind, you're think, thinking that these guys are going to have like back and forth with their opposing viewpoints and have an argument in that manner. But it's the very it's the kind of Family Guy way instead, where they're just steamrolling each other over each other in the comments or in yeah. their commentary and their dialogue. So it's like three people in any given scene talking at the same time. Yeah, yeah. So so uh, this this does lead up to probably one of the best bits in the movie. Which was as they're trying to sneak into the 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 power grid factory mm-hmm. place. Yes, yeah. I forgot what the name of it is. But as they're trying to sneak over the fence, they're wearing these like camouflage costumes, and when the police pull up and they freeze to to like not draw yeah. attention to them, their the camouflage yeah lines up perfectly to the fence. <laughs> And the backdrop and the it's ladder, like like, the to the point Panther. where his, it is hysterical. <laughs> that that was the best part of the movie, right there. And then they just they the, leave that gag there. Yeah, there are these little like <laughs> sprinklings of like big slapstick, like goofy energy, and they intersperse that with like the very understated kind of story of like Mr. Fletcher is going to lose his house and he has to try he wants to go and save his business you know so that he can be still be with his family and such and then here's most here's most deaf kind of like oh man you shouldn't you shouldn't do that you you should get out of the store you really gotta go like you can't stay around here anymore like you can't really do that you know maybe if you're gonna make a move and make a selection you know and you're just like and i'm like which way are you going with this movie <laughs> pick one yeah it's it is kind of an imbalanced movie like that, but I feel 
I don't feel like they were trying to make a comedy because it it doesn't was it funny? <laughs> it wasn't really funny at all, and like none of the situations were set up to be humorous for the most part, except for like you know obviously him getting magnetized at the power plant. Like that whole scene is, I think, right. where they tried to inject most of the comedy, but I, I think maybe the comedy comes from the uh, kind of outlandish. So the the movie right, they, is about what what it's about is they start they lose all their DVD their VHSs due to Jack Black due to Jerry's magnetization. <laughs> he like he's he blanks out all the VHSs. So now they got to replace all their VHSs with um just twenty minute their their bits own bootlegged versions of the movie. Yeah, which okay interjection here. Kristen pointed out last night that this is a direct copy of the Amanda Show's bit um, of the It's Better, Much Better, uh, where there's a whole, like, skit where they go to a a VHS store to get movies, but they're all bootlegs of this family trying to recreate them. And they're like, what the hell? This isn't Star Wars. And they're, no, no, this is Laser Wars. It's better, much better. And it's... You know, it's not inconceivable that the same writer from the Amanda show <laughs> wrote this movie. <laughs> so I was just like, this is a direct copy from that. But whatever, it's... So I think what yeah. the comedy comes from is the fact that everybody is clamoring for these bootlegs right. that are clearly and awful and I yeah, mean, we sure get to see and we get to see the bootlegs and just the absolute yeah. like nothing quality that they are, which which reminds me. Um let's see. Uh Swedish. Well actually they came up with some pretty clever ways to say, do some of the stuff. Some of those practical As a former no-budget filmmaker, I respect. Respect to yeah. some of the stuff that they were able to accomplish on a shoestring budget. Um, which, again, I think this was supposed to go with a media push to, like, submit your Sweden movie uh, to to their website. Um, That's funny. Be kind. Re- and cause at the end... They say you can watch all of the full the full versions of all the films that they recorded. I guess in that montage, because they do have a whole montage of yeah. Uh, yeah. the movies. And like, it was weird to me that you don't see you only see like some of them. It's like an infomercial where they they highlight the the ones that you're seeing, but there's a whole list of them. Like, why? Like, I guess that's to fill it out. But like, it makes more sense it's in the, the context notable, that you could go scenes. afterwards and see all of those at their website. Yeah. Um, doesn't really help support the movie at all because it, well, yeah, all the extraneous ones. Um, but that was the funnest part was seeing them like chase a cat with, with tinsel. I feel like this is yeah, like, I mean, that's, uh, website that's obviously where, where the levity of the movie is supposed to come from. But like the, the only real fun things they do with that is showing them shooting the movies. And even in some of those yeah. scenes, they have to interject, like, tension between, you know, Jerry and, and um, Mike. Mikey? Mm-hmm. Mike. Mike. Um, and, you know, the people they're, they're filming with, and then they 
kind of like half try to introduce a love interest, but then she becomes part of the crew in in a swerve there, and yeah, like. Mike's jealous of her, and that's a plot thread that they open and close in the same scene. <laughs> and, you know, it yeah, just, they don't balance the movie around, like, the main draw, which is them, you know, making the movies. I think that was, like, heavily featured in the trailer, but there's, like, yeah. two or three sequences where you see them making the movies, and then all of a sudden they're, like, superstars Exploded, yeah in popularity and and everyone's paying all this money and then mr fletcher comes back and he's grumpy about it for some reason and then the fbi or whomever with the, comes yeah, with sigourney, sigourney weaver, weaver shows up <laughs> in this movie i will say that the we like the supporting cast is weirdly like obnoxiously rude in this like their characters are like one dimensionally yeah. rude. Well, like it's everyone in this thing, movie still, like, is one dimensionally rude. Like that's yeah. why uh, what's one of the reasons I think I I don't really like this movie is like every character just comes off as kind of like rude or dispassionate or really self-absorbed and you're like who who am I supposed to get behind? Yeah, it's who, who do you yeah, who do you root for? I know for? It's, I guess it's airing on more on the side of trying to be realistic rather than the rough but lovable I, that's the i think that's what they were going for is like the rough but lovable misfits but they really leaned on the rough part yeah like they weren't they never really came across as a ragtag gang you know it was just mm. like okay these are the characters we've established that jerry is a rampant fucking asshole and mike brings really nothing to this equation <laughs> <laughs> The only one, Alma's the only one holding this thing together. Yeah. Honestly, she was she was the best part of their their group. She was the only one with any kind of personality. (laughs) Yeah, she seemingly like kind of saved the day in a couple instances where she was like the the one with some of the ideas. Oh, she definitely saved the day. Like I, I feel like they kind of, especially towards the end of the movie, sashayed her away from because they wanted to go into their other movie. Their, their other plot, which was making the Fats Waller movie, which I, like, that as its own little thing, I enjoyed. That felt nice. It was charming, a little heartwarming, and it had, it kind of had that indie feel, which fits the the rest of the movie. Well, it was nice because the town it's, came together. The town was a part of it, and a part of this little piece of made-up history. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and... And that was you're right. Yeah, that was that was kind of like heartfelt. Maybe maybe it's three movies in one. Yeah, and they <laughs> like, and at the end, like, and they bring out like it becomes quieter, more subdued, and they start bringing out like the the um, emotion, not the emotional, but the kind of the contemplative music as they watch all these characters. Like, yeah, and like you see, I'm like, these oh, characters... this is a great little piece of the movie they're telling stories that it, they seem more human than they have at any other point in the movie. And it's just like the fucking fifteen minutes at the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the movie just kind of ends. It You're doesn't resolve. Me... It just ends. Yeah, it <laughs> it they walk out, slow pan out to the whole crowd. It's like there, there it is. That was what this whole movie was leading up to. The only kind of resolution you might get is the guy who is trying to demolish uh, Mr. Fletcher's building. 
kind of came up and said something to him with a smile. Maybe implying that they were going to wait till the morning or something like that. You know, for them to... Maybe like give them an extension or something. I yeah, you saw sure you saw him nothing kind of smiling. Um, yeah, like that. Nothing resolves the Fats Waller movie thing is a plot line that is set up in the last like twenty five minutes of the movie, and <laughs> that's the thing they conclude on. Like it's so disjointed, right? It's like three. Yeah. Each act is like kind of its own movie, right? The beginning act yeah. is like a. Uh, a tale of down on the luck video store yeah. fighting against gentrification and with a conspiracy nut in the mix. Um, and then the, the middle part of the movie is the, the part that this movie was advertised to be is, you know, the quirky comedy about them making their own bootlegged versions of movies. And the third act of this movie is the movie about them all coming together as a town to make a historical documentary about someone who wasn't actually born there. Yeah. You know what? In, in that way, it's kind of genius because it's three of their bootleg movies put together. <laughs> the hidden genius <laughs> of Be Kind Rewind. <laughs> oh, my God. It all makes sense. That's our clickbait video essay title. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So this movie is not very good. If there is one good thing to come out of it, um, it is the Swede Fest, the Fresno Swede Fest which is a annual film festival of Sweden movies taking place in Fresno since 2008 and it looks to be all of the all of the videos are uploaded to YouTube and you can watch the entire archive of their Sweden films uh, for the last yeah for the last um, 20 year you know 20 festivals um, on YouTube for stuff like Swedefest 21 had Wonder Woman 1984 Casually, Diary of a Wimpy Kid, Book of Boba Fett, James Bond slash Squid Game, Mean Girls, Lightyear, like, and you, and you can, it goes right to the video. You can watch these little two minute, five minute sweeted films. Um, yeah, and that's um, a genuine, like, that's a great genuine thing to come out of this. That's the weird thing about this movie, right? Is like the quality of movie, and I think like its initial reach is like completely juxtaposed to its broader cultural impact like it i feel like it has a much broader like impact than a movie of its quality and like how many people saw it in theaters should have yeah like it's weirdly influential which is kind of why when i saw it appear in the just added to max things i'm like that would be a good movie to talk about while jake figures out his his new life as a dad (laughs) That's why we haven't been going to the theaters as much, because you know Jake, Jake wants to be on the show, and he also wants to take care of his kid, and that creates some conflict. Evenly balanced priorities. (laughs) Look, I have to make a deal with Kristen where I, I I get up all night with him so I can go to the movies. What you really got to do? You got to bring make it happen. Bring your two year old into the matinee. Bring him. Two-year-old. He's, he's like two weeks. Old. Two weeks. Two-week-year-old. Two-week-old. I'll bring my two-week-old to the movies. See what That'll happens. be great for its development. That's just the floor. Oh, I don't need to buy him a chair. Thing that exists. It's just it's all right. He he. 
He might do okay. If I, like, feed him and bring, like, six pacifiers in case they all fling out of his mouth onto give the him floor. The, give him the ear pads. Give him big okay. old earmuffs so that the loud sounds won't get him. He, he likes... I think he likes the sounds. We'll see. I don't think gonna watch Fast and Furious. I I wouldn't I wouldn't suggest it, uh, but I would suggest uh, thanking everyone for listening to yeah. this edition. I would suggest of go stuff. watch the Swede go to Swedefest dot com uh, and go watch their Sweden films. It's better than Be Kind Rewind. I betcha. That's in, that's in probably that's probably the lesson that we we impart here. So that's going to wrap uh, 383 here. Uh, we'll be back next week covering something that we'll decide most assuredly at the last minute. Because um, <laughs> that's just how we roll. Um, until that time, be well, stay safe, and party like it's 1995. Peace. Bye-bye.